Hey, hello, how are you? This is a show for everyone else. Instead of going after top 1% of the world, we dedicate this podcast to celebrate the lives of the unsung heroes and self-made artists. Just know that you won't be everything and everywhere at the same time. Being an executive is a full-time job. Being a mom is also a full-time job. And then being a wife is maybe part-time at the minimum, right? So it's a lot of jobs and the expectations don't go away. So I think how you think about it and how you manage it. Because the kids also need to know that they need to have their own dreams. So they need to see someone live out their dreams. Especially for my daughter, I think it's also great that she sees a mom who works. Even for my sons, right? That they see a mom who has dreams and goals and things that she loves and also loves them, right? I was blown away. It was a brilliant question. And I said, why didn't you speak during class? And she said, Oh, Professor, I'm an immigrant. I just came to the U.S. for law school, so I'm very conscious of my accent, and I would never speak up in front of the whole class. And I thought one of the most brilliant minds in the class was too self-conscious to speak up. So understand your unique talents, understand your gifts, and step into what it is you want to do. Don't let anything, don't let any of your differences, don't let your accent, don't let your name or anything stop you from bringing your full self. Hi there, this is Fei Wu, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Face World podcast. This is an interview between me and Chinwi Esamai. Chinwi is a Nigerian-born, Harvard-trained lawyer who is passionate about inspiring generations of immigrant women leaders. Along with her mother, three brothers, and sister, she relocated to the United States in 1995, right before college. She graduated from the City College of New York with a Bachelor of Arts in Political Science and received her JD from Harvard Law School. Today, she works for City as the Managing Director, Chief Anti-Bribery, and Corruption Officer. With a husband, three children, and a demanding executive job, Chinwi talks to me about the challenge and the excitement of being a woman in the modern world today. Together, we're trying to define or redefine our roles as women in society. How can we be kinder to ourselves? How do we better support one another? She created her website, chinwiesamai.com, to inspire immigrant women on their leadership journeys. These women leaders have come to the United States from all around the world. Chinwi calls them the American Dream Queens, who are not here in America to blend in, but to shine through. This conversation was my first opportunity to speak to Chinwi, and we could have easily talked for hours. The glass ceiling for immigrant women, or immigrants in general trying to break through leadership roles in America, is real. But hearing these stories firsthand instilled hope among us that there is still a place for women to thrive and to succeed. I hope to see more immigrant women in such positions and willing to share their journeys with us. If you know someone, on this trajectory, on this journey with a big heart, please refer them to Face World Podcast. It's wonderful to be a woman in the world today, so let's celebrate. 
Hey, do you want to know how I made a living and built a business with my podcast? Visit phaseworld.com forward slash newsletter and download the free guide instantly. Without further ado, please welcome Chinwi SMI to the Phase World podcast. So how old were you when you moved to the U.S.? Very young. I was young. 17. I was 17. So it was right after high school. I came right before college. 17? I was 17. I was exactly 17 as well when I moved I know, from China. You said it in your story. Yes. And then, I, so let's talk about the, I, I'm intrigues me because growing up, you know, this also isn't something that I talked about before, to be quite honest, on the show, because it hasn't come up and people haven't really asked me, but I started to reflect upon this more and more so now. I'm 35 and it's fascinating when I talk about this with other women. So what was the expectation or the dynamic, cultural cultural dynamics like in Nigeria when, was it the case that your mom was the supporting force of the family or other women that you perhaps knew at the time? No. So at the time, my dad was the supporting uh, person. He, he's a professor and he also was in politics as well. So a very well-known individual. My mom is highly educated. So she actually just got her PhD. But when I was growing up, she had a bachelor's and a master's degree. And she was, she was working, but my dad was the breadwinner. So I feel like growing up, it was more of a traditional um, household where my dad was the breadwinner. My mom was educated and working, but she was more in a supporting role. So I didn't really, growing up, have that many. And as I think of it, I don't think I had any models of women who were breadwinners. So I think this whole idea of stepping into the role of being a breadwinner was not one I planned for at all. And I definitely was not prepared for it. Because I think there are dynamics that you have to be mindful of in terms of your relationship with your husband, your relationship with others that no one really tells you. And just like most things in life, you learn it as you do it. Yeah. So, and also let's just be clear for the listeners that you graduated from Harvard Law School. You are now, are you managing, are you a partner managing director of Citigroup? I'm a managing director of Citigroup, yes. Wow. So I run our anti-bribery program, which is ensuring that we comply with all of the laws and regulations that, that um, laws and regulations around bribery and corruption. So making sure that when we do business, because we do business in a hundred, over 160 countries, that we're not offering anything of value in exchange for business that could be considered a bribe. So because we have physical presence in very high risk jurisdictions for bribery, it's something that's very, I think, a very interesting job. Yeah. And yes. I want to kind of Dial, go back to what we're what we started. How should women think about or approach the fact that they may be in a very powerful position, or they may be entrepreneurs, like working from home and making half a million, a million dollars, or, or you know, these are just figures, um, random figures I throw out. You know, what are some of the challenges that you maybe encounter, like yourself or like some of your female friends, like? What are some of the issues and how do women go about this? Yeah, so I think one of the biggest things, of course, especially if you're a working mom, you have kids. And so there are expectations around what you do at home, right? So whether it's cooking for the family, taking care of the kids, helping with homework. 
and none of that goes away. I think I, I think I heard Andrea Nui say once, being an executive is a full-time job. Being a mom is also a full-time job. And then being a wife is maybe part-time at the minimum, right? So it's a lot of jobs and the expectations don't go away. So I think how you think about it and how you manage it. So first is your mindset around it. And then the second is the practical tools you have in place, right? So the first around the mindset, obviously, I think we know, we all know we should not have um, a lot of guilt around our responsibilities, but sometimes it creeps in. What's been really helpful is having help, right? Whether it's nannies or sitters, someone who takes care of um, the barest minimum of what the children need, right? So for me, that's been really important to have help at home, right? And sometimes depending on where my husband is professionally, sometimes he's been there. But we've also had professional help, like nannies and babysitters, which again, sometimes could get very expensive. So it depends on where someone is. So in addition to getting that practical help, I will say also ditch the guilt. I think we talk about that a lot as women. Just know that you won't be everything and everywhere at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? So your responsibilities are going to change. Sometimes you will uh, ramp it up on the professional side. I had a, a, a time within my professional career where I was working almost every day past midnight. And at that time, I just had to acknowledge that it wouldn't be me to give my kids the bath at night, right? Someone else had to do it. And so I think being able to just know that whatever situation you have, again, it's probably for a season and you'll just have to navigate that as best you can. So I think those are some of the challenges. And then around, as you were saying, being a breadwinner, I think, and one of the things I'm learning is communicating with your spouse the challenges you have and the expectations you have. I think that's big. How, how do you, I, I like where you're going with this as well. Like how do you establish that communication with a spouse or a boyfriend or, I think you know. it's tough because a lot of times for women, we don't want to express how we really feel because you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or you may even think that you shouldn't feel that way. So for me, it was very important as I started to have more friends who were also very successful, very powerful, and also really wanting to have a a personal life that was also fulfilled and fulfilling, I started to realize that most of the challenges I was facing, I was not alone on them. So while I didn't see those role models growing up, as I came to realize that more and more women are in this situation where you are a breadwinner and you're also working really hard and you're also looking to maintain a happy and fulfilled family, so A, is, one is knowing you're not alone. So discussing that with friends and, and um, really hearing how others are dealing with it. But even more important is discussing with your spouse, right? So in terms of communicating with your spouse, you want to, on a very regular and consistent basis, communicate where you may be having challenges, right? So if you're stressed out at work, and then the expectations you have, right? So I would expect that we spend quality time in X, Y, and Z way because in order for us to really have a happy relationship, we need to spend that quality time. So you come back from a really hectic day. And for most of us, you know, it's, it's really not nine to five. Sometimes it could be from 8 a.m. I take the bus at 6 a.m. So I, my day starts really early. And some days I don't get home until after 8 p.m. So that's a really long day. So you come back and you're really tired and you really want to decompress. And I will also say a lot of women, it's easier with the kids because the kids kind of naturally bring out that joy. But with the spouse, it's a little bit more difficult. And that's where you have to be very careful (laughs) and communicate very clearly. 
Yeah. No, this is so true. Like that. I've not even had this conversation publicly, but with friends, I know this is something that we really deal with on a regular basis. I think it's so appreciate. It's much appreciated when women in your position are willing to open up and to talk about this. And, you know, so I guess it's an interesting pivot, like for you, because you came from a more traditional background. So your parents are aware of your lifestyle, the way that you're raising your children now in a different country. What are their thoughts? Like, how could it be difficult for your mom to say, why aren't you staying home? No, they're very proud. They're very proud of me. Like, I think that's- I'm sure they are. They're, they're really, they're really happy to see how uh, successful I've been. So yeah, they, they love what I do because they clearly see that I'm very happy in the work that I'm doing at City, and they've been very supportive. And my mom is always trying to ensure that I have help at home. So if I ever had a period where we said, well, you know, we think we can kind of do it with ad hoc babysitters, she's always the one to say, well, you may need a full-time babysitter because you need a lot of help because she knows you know, my hours are so long and, and I still, you know, make sure that I cook at home. I cook every weekend for the whole week. Every weekend I cook, I put it in the refrigerator so they can heat it up throughout the week. And of course they can make um, ad hoc meals like mac and cheese if the kids want it, or they can order pizza. But I usually try to make sure that we have Nigerian food in the refrigerator every week. Oh, wow. You cook for the entire family for the week. Yes. Hi there, this is Fei Wu, and you're listening to the Face World Podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Chinwi Esamai, who is a Nigerian-born, Harvard-trained lawyer who is passionate about inspiring generations of immigrant women leaders. Today, she works for a city as the managing director, chief anti-bribery and corruption officer. This is a story of an immigrant woman and an immigrant family. Wow. All right. So we're going to pivot a little bit to talk about Nigerian food for a second here. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, another thing is I'm intrigued is you moved here when you were 17. So at the time, you know, your parents still obviously supported you. You're still a child. Uh, that's going to disconnect that I had. I'm able, I need to relearn a lot of the, or learn for the first time how to cook the Chinese dishes because I didn't really learn the details. I wasn't really spending a lot of time in the kitchen before I moved here. So, you know, what do you cook and uh, where did you learn that from? So I learned from my mom. My mom is an excellent cook and my grandma, my mom's side is also an excellent cook. So I learned just, you know, hanging out with her in the kitchen in Nigeria but then just over time, practicing more and more. I would say once I got married, uh, I had to cook a lot more, right, than when I was single or when I was living with my parents. So I learned from her. And then over time, it's just been through practice. So I cook, you know, Nigerian dishes. We have jollof rice, which is, you know, almost like a jambalaya, but Nigerians have. Um, it's usually spicy, made from like a tomato sauce. Um, and also goat meat. We eat a lot of meat. Nigerians love meat a lot of fish as well. We make fufu, which is made out of, you know, the cassava um, and gary also. I make soup. We have different types of soup, right? So we have okra, we have um, a me- one that's made out of melon seeds. My kids love Nigerian food. They absolutely 
love it. Like they eat, they, they go for seconds. They really love it. And it just gives me so much joy to see them just eat Nigerian food. You know, parenthood is another topic of, you know, you, you probably sometimes feel like earlier years as you're pursuing your career, you didn't even get to spend a lot of time at home and maybe doing all the regular mom stuff um, with your kids. How do you balance that? Do you justify that or? It's very tough. I think the first is just to understand that you won't do all of the mommy things, right? So you have to pick what things you want to do and what things you can do. And then as you go through the process, there will be days when you want to do something and you just can't, and you just have to make peace with that, right? I also think um, as moms that you've, you probably um, have seen this as well in, in your own experience, especially for my daughter, I think it's also great that she sees a mom who works, even for my sons, right? That they see a mom who has dreams and goals and things that she loves and also loves them, right? I think they also have to really understand and know it very deeply that you love them. It's funny because I spend so many years in corporate America. I'm surrounded by women literally from pregnancy mm-hmm. to all the way through giving birth, that whole you know nine months, and then watching the kids grow up and watching them interacting with one another. And what I've learned, and correct me if I'm wrong, is like, from a sort of sounds counterintuitive, but not really, is that the kids are actually happier themselves when they see their moms and dads enjoying their lives better, that they're not telling them that we've given up everything because of you, but they're still doing and they're still chasing their dreams. Absolutely. Because the kids also need to know that they need to have their own dreams. So they need to see someone live out their dreams. And I also think it's, especially for for kids who go to school outside of home, they also have other frames of reference, other points of authority aside from their parents. And that interaction with other kids, with other forms of authority, whether it's teachers or nannies or other adults, I think that's healthy too. Now, again, as long as the kids know that you love them and that you spend time with them and that you value time with them. So I think my kids also see me create boundaries around their time as well, right? And that's, that's I think, for, for a lot of parents, that's what you want. You want your kids to see an example of a, of a high achieving or someone who's pursuing their dreams, but also at the same time, they know that they're loved. And that yeah, absolutely. What I love about your story, your backstory is the fact that you, you didn't grow up in this country. So, you know, when you look at another woman, an immigrant woman who is you know, not Caucasian. So in this case, you know, she may be from Africa, she may be Asian, she may, she may be in, from India, you know, and I think it's really challenging, like mentally and, and trying to find your place in this country as diverse as it is. What are some of your advice and... Yeah. So one of the things that I really recommend, and, I, and I've gone through it and I'm also... Um, I also, as you know, I blog about immigrant women and leadership. And part of the reason for that is a lot of times when we come, it is a major transition. It could be everything from your accents to just understanding the way to engage in the workplace for folks who are in professional life. And so I think one of the most important things I will say is don't let anything, don't let any of your differences, don't let your accent, don't let your name or anything stop you from bringing your full self, right? So understand your unique talents, understand your gifts and step into what it is you want to do. And don't let 
your um, what makes you different as an immigrant stop you from doing that, right? Because I know a lot of people sometimes hold back because they say, well, when I get rid of my accent, I will do this. Or when I um, am fully integrated, I can then pursue my dreams. I think it's important to engage right away because everyone's voice is important. And just as you are, that voice is important. So the second thing I wanted to say is viewing um, the immigrant experience as a positive because being an immigrant does help you view the world and help you view the United States from a different perspective. And so it's really important to embrace that as a positive and bring that viewpoint to your work. And I think in your case, as a perfect example, is the fact that you have this rich background and this rich immigrant experience, I think it did help you view the world differently. And I think that's an advantage because that is one of the um, unique attributes for genius, right? Geniuses are people who view the world from a different perspective. And so we really should embrace that and, and also bring that to the table. I love that. Hi there, this is Fei Wu, and you're listening to the Face World Podcast. Today on the show, I'm joined by Chinwi Esamai, who is a Nigerian-born, Harvard-trained lawyer who is passionate about inspiring generations of immigrant women leaders. Today, she works for a city as the managing director, chief anti-bribery and corruption officer. This is a story of an immigrant woman and an immigrant family. In Minneapolis for a couple of years, and I was a law professor. I taught a course, securities regulation, and we had um, about 10, uh, 15 students in the class, 13 men, two women. Oh the men God. spoke all the time. The women spoke very rarely. There were only two. One was an American woman, and she spoke sometimes. And then about two and a half weeks into the course, uh, there was a Chinese woman in the class, and she came up to me after class and she asked the question. And I was blown away. It was a brilliant question. And I said, why didn't you speak during class? And she said, oh, professor, I'm an immigrant. I just came to the U.S. for law school. So I'm very conscious of my accent and I would never speak up in front of the whole class. And I thought one of the most brilliant minds in the class was too self-conscious to speak up. And so she actually became my research assistant. She worked with me. She had the best grade in the course. She graduated with honors. She had a baby during law school. Incredible story. And I started looking for resources to support her. And I thought, I, I'm sure there's got to be, there have to be resources out there entirely focused on immigrant women, on inspiring them and on giving them actionable advice and tools. And I didn't find anything. And so a few years later, I was back in New York. I still um, looked for resources and didn't find anything. And I would have people sent to me who were immigrants, high achieving women with big dreams, whether to go to Harvard or to work at Goldman Sachs. They all had these traits in common, but I still did not find resources to support them. Yeah, interesting. I decided that I needed to create something. So I first started by interviewing my friends. And it turns out there were a lot of friends, whether from law school or other professional women I knew, who had this entire story about when they came to the U.S. and what they had learned along the way. Because a lot of them I met when they were already successful. They were already, they had gone through so much. And so I, as I listened to their stories, I was so inspired. And I said, I need to write about this because I'm really inspired by their stories. So now I have this collection of stories of immigrant women from different fields, 
women who are athletes, gold medal winner, Sonia Richards-Ross is one of them. Fei-Fei Lee, who's an artificial intelligence um, scientist at Stanford. She runs the Stanford Vision Lab. So it's a very diverse group of women. Yeah, so that's how I got started. And then I started blogging about it as well and immigrant women and sharing tips. But the great thing has been, and I know a lot of people are scared of this, and I was initially, I was worried about any potential tension between what I do and my job at City. But the great thing is they've been extremely supportive. They embrace the message. They really love it. They actually share my blogs on their social sites. That's on awesome. And on Twitter, because they're very, very supportive of the message. And they've been, it's been a phenomenal place to work. So I've been really uh, happy in my role because I've really tapped into my background with the anti-bribery growing up in Nigeria and then applying skills from my prior roles as well as a lawyer. So it's been, it's been excellent. I think you brought up a really good point, uh, which Dory also mentioned in her book. A lot of people, a lot of my clients I work with on establishing their own brand, but actually it could be a monumental task to them when, when they first got started. And you know, a lot of these, especially women, worry that their co- current company is going to look at them negatively because they start a blog. And even though the content may have nothing to do with what they even do professionally, um, but I think what you said is Citigroup really embraced that. You know, for us, I'm thinking, well, wow, that's incredible that you are allowed to do this. You're encouraged to do this. That shows something very different about the brand. You know, how do you react? I mean, this may be a little bit challenging. I, since my mid-20s, I, I never really saw myself climbing the corporate ladder. So along the way, I mean, who are some of the role models? Who could you look up to and say, well, I can relate to that woman. Like, you know, I can do that. Or were you basically were out on your own? Yeah, so I would say for a long time, I felt like I was on my own, right? Because I thought I needed to be someone else. And a lot of the women at the time that I'd worked with, for whatever reason, they just had different personalities that I couldn't identify with. Or women who seemed so phenomenal that they were unreachable, right? So I I found myself thinking, I really need to, it's really difficult to find someone to look up to. So I think for me, it was really critical to find that authenticity, to figure out what I was really interested in and passionate about, And that's how I I started to do anti-bribery work and understand my own interests and then pursue that, right? But if I had to name someone, Indra Nui is one. I really admire her, uh, former outgoing CEO of Pepsi. I think she's remarkable, not just because she's an immigrant woman, but also because she's had and she exhibits a lot of the traits, I think leadership traits that people need in order to be successful in corporate America. One of the things I've found to be really incredible about is I've started to engage more and more with entrepreneurs, I think a lot of the leadership principles are the same, right? Having a commitment to ongoing growth and development, right? So you have to be willing to invest in yourself. You have to be willing to read and learn and adapt and change. You have to be self-aware. You have to be innovative, right? So I think a lot of the traits that are important in building a business that you're very familiar with, I think are also important in corporate America. I think the other thing as well is... um, Being strategic, which a lot of people hate because they feel like, oh, that means you're playing politics. But I think it's about being authentic and also it's about understanding 
the environment where you operate, right? Just as a business owner needs to understand the market and they need to understand the trends and need to be able to anticipate. I think in corporate America, you also have to be the same way where you understand the way it works. You understand a little bit more than your own space. You have to have sort of this broad mindset where you're looking at all of the other pieces that could have an impact on you and then uh, being willing and and brave enough to engage um, all of those uh, factors. Yeah, this is great advice. I do think, you know, as we've, um, that commitment to growth, that commitment to yourself, right? Investing in yourself and also being honest with yourself. This is another thing, right? So sometimes, you know, we feel as though we need to tell a particular story because that's more compelling to society. And one of the things um, that someone said recently that really resonated is you need to be honest with yourself, right? So I think it's really important that we continue to be self-reflective. So regardless of how busy we are, and that's really what ultimately helps us to have a sense of peace is having that time to reflect, that quiet time every day, and making sure we have that because that really helps put everything else in perspective, no matter how much responsibility we have. Hi there, it's me again. I want to thank you very much for listening to this episode, and I hope you were able to learn a few things. If you enjoyed what you heard, it would be hugely helpful if you could subscribe to the Face World podcast. It literally takes seconds. If you're on your mobile phone, just search for Phase World Podcast in the podcast app on iPhone or an Android app such as Podcast Addict and click subscribe. All new episodes will be delivered to you automatically. Thanks so much for your support.